What's cracking, everybody? Money Smart Guy Matt Zapala here. Hey, Lindsay here from Dallas, Texas, and welcome to another episode of the Millionaire Goals Podcast, episode 21. And joining me here in the studio, home team, my personal trainer, my homie, Milton Alvarez. How you doing, brother? Feeling great. Feeling blessed, man. Amen, brother. Well, we have an amazing show here for you this morning. So we got some reaction videos that we're going to go over, uh, and we're going to talk about uh, whether or not people are in a position to buy a home, should you buy a home? 90 million Americans are making, uh, are finding difficulties and making ends meet. Uh, but I'm going to do a quick, um, I'm going to do a quick audible real quick because we found out that our producer here has an amazing talent. Perfect. And I want to put him on the spot. Yes. So Jordan, uh, uh, we're going to start the show, man, with some awesome energy. Can we get him on camera? If we, get, we need to get Jordan on camera, but... But Jordan knows he go, right here on hey, Milton's here, side. Jordan, take my seat. So go, 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 go uh, Jordan. Jordan. We need to hear you beatbox, brother. Uh, <laughs> we find out Jordan knows how to beatbox. Let's hear this. All right, here we go. Switch, switch, switch it to you. There you go. All right, here's here's Jordan, our producer here at the Millionaire Goes Podcast. Here we go. What's up, y'all? I love it, man. We just discovered that this morning. Great job, Jordan. Love it, man. So what, what, what talent did you have when, when you were growing up? Did you have any talent like that growing up in, in high school? No, I, I didn't discover any talent, man. No talent. Whatsoever. And he said something pretty profound, because uh, we found it today. But Jordan had a kid. What, was that on a bus, Jordan? Uh, were on a bus, Jordan? Or were, he, was on, he was on a band bus, and he just messed around in a band bus, and he started beatboxing. And his kid said, hey, you do that pretty good. You should do that. And that encouraged him. And we're just talking about this morning how important it is, you know, growing up to be around the right environment. Because imagine if that same kid told Jordan he was nothing. Would he have the talent today? And Jordan, you won some competitions already. Are you telling me you won a competition with your beatboxing? Yeah, it was an acapella competition. You won an acapella, acapella competition, man. So listen, man, make sure you raise, put yourself in the right environment. You're raising kids in the right environment because certain tal- talents and abilities that are hidden don't have a chance to get discovered if they're in the wrong environment because the opposite is true. If it wasn't discovered, he couldn't do it. Who knows what type of uh, talent is not being discovered. So, um, Milton, let's, let's jump into this first reaction video. It's kind of like your favorite subject matter, make, making sure that you're not losing any money by so, chasing women. Let's do it, baby. Let's take a look at this. You'll lose a lot of money chasing women, but you'll never lose women chasing money. <laughs> <laughs> Done. Done. It's all he needs to say. It's all he needs to say. Six seconds, baby. That's, That's all it. I need. That's it. That, that is the value proposition there for what to actually chase. Because here's the thing. You chase money. You chase your dreams. You change your goals. You, change your per- you chase your purpose. You chase whatever. You discover what God is destined in your life. Guess what's going to happen along the way? The right woman, the right opportunities, the right partners will fall into place. What's your thoughts when you first saw that? My dad used to say something very similar when I was younger, but in a different, in a different way. He would always say, You'll lose purpose chasing money and women, but you'll never lose those two by chasing your purpose. Automatically, that will be added on to you. There you go. 1,000%. That, that's a high-level one. That's right a high-level one. Okay. That's a high-level one right there. I like that one a lot. Very cool. Next one. My boss taught me these three lessons, and they will change your life. Let's take a look at this. A neighbor, the head of the banana organized crime family, sees that my family's going through tough times, and he says, kid, I want you to come over and clean my swimming pool on Saturday morning. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take you under my wing. So I go over there, and uh, my first day on the job, 
and he says, I'm going to teach you three lessons of business. I'm not even a teenager yet. I'm like 12 years old. He says, listen, he says, on time is late. If you're going to get here at eight o'clock, you better get here at 745. Probably a lesson everybody in this room knows if you're building a business, right? Get there early. On time is late. Number two, go above and beyond. Even though I'm paying you $35 to clean my pool, I want you to clean the lawn furniture, straighten up the shed, clean the windows, make yourself invaluable. It seems strange because he wasn't paying me for those things, but okay, I got it. He's the boss, literally. And then the third thing was never ask for money. And that's a strange concept, right? Like, I don't understand. I'm in business. I'm doing this work. I got to pay people that work for me. How do I not ask for money? If you do a good job and you're invaluable, you'll get paid. Gotcha. By the way, my, my automatic um, response to this video real quick. Great message, horrible delivery. I mean, this guy, I mean, you can do better as a communicator. If you're, if you're paid as a speaker, you got you to gotta deliver that message, man. You got to punch. He's, he's up there, all casual, hands on his hips. I think he's lost in his message. By the way, if you're paid as a speaker, you got to bring that message. You got to bring your message. Um, anywho. We, we grew up in Chicago. Yeah. I grew up in Cicero, and that's uh, uh, Al Capone territory. And um, had a chance to, to be around uh, mafiosos, uh, made men, and, and uh, all sorts of guys there in Chicago. Uh, lived by um, Little Italy uh, when my mother was a nurse at uh, downtown Chicago. No way. Yeah, Little Italy right there. Okay. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, the medical center area of, of downtown Chicago. My mother was a nurse there at Stroger Hospital. But anyway, uh, with, in my career, I've had a chance to be around Chaz Palminteri, and uh, be around uh, Michael Francis. Uh, Michael Francis is the number one income earning mob boss uh, in the entire history of the mafia. He would skim gas. He'd make eight million, eight million a week skimming gas. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the number one income earning. Anyway, he's he's no longer in 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 a, in a mob boss life. He's a pastor. He's in L.A. <laughs> so uh, good friends of Patrick David. Good friends of the Valley Entertainment community. Uh, we had chance to to sit down with him. He, there's one thing. There's one thing he said. This mafia mob boss. Uh, uh, Mike Francis shared with me. He says, listen, be careful of the ass you kick today because it might be the same ass you kiss tomorrow. You never know what new guy comes in that you don't like, yeah. that the mob boss does like, and he elevates him above you. Now you got to answer to him. So in, even inside the mafia, they're like, listen, everybody's humble, cool, chill, don't cross each other. We got rules. But I, I think that was a very good uh, ask because you was know, just operating humility. Is, is, a, is a way because there's uh, some people that I, you know, in my natural disposition, uh, I'm quick, I, I, I am, I understand my nature, how I was raised, the military, how it, grew, how it uh, uh, brought up some of the, uh, the best and worst in me. And uh, I'm, I'm at times quick to anger. I got a temper. You know that. You train me. And when my back is not going right, I'm pissed. And so, you know, sometimes in the journey of building bridges to, bur to build your business, to build your name, Sometimes you accidentally burn some. Yeah. And so you got to be careful not to burn bridges along the way and that you never owe anybody anything, that nobody, that you don't owe anybody a favor. Make sure you're constantly clean all the time because you don't want to come and uh, have a desire to meet somebody and do business with them. And next thing you know, they know somebody that you burned a bridge mm -hmm. with. Exactly. And they say, yo, bro, don't do business with that guy because 10 years ago, this guy, this, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. Your thoughts on this? I'm going to go based off the last two statements that he made. And the, two, the, the message that I got from the last two uh, points that he made was oh, always over-deliver and do more than you can. Always over-deliver. If someone's paying you for a service, whether it's a product or service, make sure you go above and beyond. 
because you will have a returning customer or returning client. And the very last one is make sure that the, the intention behind what you do in, in your industry, the intention behind it is to actually serve people. We're here to serve people. But if you're just solely doing it for the intention of making money, you're going to completely lose the crowd that you're you're attracting. You're going to lose the clientele that you have, and you're not you're going to rub people the wrong way. Always, always, always over, over deliver and do more, and always come in with the intention of being able to serve the community. Love it. Yeah. There you go, man. Um, let's shift to a video here that I think you might like. The better looking you are, the more in shape you are, the and more the more shape you are, the more opportunities you get. Let's take a look at this. The better looking you are and the more in shape you are, the Brand more Leo. opportunities you get. And that's just the fucking truth. Dude, nobody wants to, hey, there's nobody my Nobody likes when friend. I say that. Hey, there's my slob friend. Come on, slob. You know, like, come on. Nobody wants that friend who's so uncomfortable with themselves that you're stealing from everyone. If you're the fat, low-confident friend sitting there at the table, everyone's all worried about if you're okay. But if you're that confident motherfucker killing it, they're like, hell yeah, my boy just brought, he's an asset. That motherfucker just brought some good energy to the table. This low-level motherfucker, by choice, is sitting there all, uh, are you okay, Sally? Yeah, I'm good. Like, I'm okay. No, you're fucking not. You gained 60 during COVID. You're not okay. <laughs> okay, I, I, was, I, just, I was curious. I looked under qualities of a leader. Okay, I just Google real quick, qualities of a leader. First one comes up, physical appearance. A leader must have a pleasing appearance. Physique and health are very important for a good leader. Yeah. Vision and foresight, a leader cannot maintain influence unless he exhibits that he is forward-looking. He has to visualize solutions and thereby has to frame logical programs. Bro, you're in the, you're in the physique business. You're yeah. in the physical fitness business. What, uh, what, what credibility is that? You know what? I, I, there's a little pushback from, from my end. I've met a lot of overweight people who completely aligned to what this guy said. You know, you're, you're, you're out of shape, you're insecure, you're sitting there amongst all these people and you, you stand out and everyone feels that energy. Energy is something that's super tangible in this world. But then I've also met a lot of overweight people who are morbidly obese and they're the life of the freaking party. They're, they're on top of their game, they're, they're making people laugh. They're, they're funny people. Like for example, uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure you follow this comedian, uh, Gabriel Iglesias. Of course. Fluffy. Fluffy. Dude's freaking hilarious. <laughs> Dude's freaking hilarious and he's overweight. Obviously, the more weight he's been losing, the more he's been able to do, which is, mm -hmm. I agree. And same thing that I, that I spoke on last week. You can't, uh, uh, you can't normalize obesity. You can't sit here and glorify that because you're obese, you need to be able to embrace your body. You're literally normalizing the idea of people pushing themselves to a point where heart disease becomes an issue, diabetes becomes an issue, and also your mental health becomes an issue. The more in shape you get, the more cognitive you, the, the better your cognitive cognitive is, the more in shape you get, the more energy you'll have, the more in shape you get, the more influence you'll have over your people that you're trying to lead, whether it's family or if not in business. So I agree. I, I, I think that one of the biggest assets that you have is your physical and your mental health. But in order for that to happen, you need to be able to put a certain structure down in order for you to be able to follow a step-by-step -step program to be able to get to that thing. And it doesn't take major steps, Matt. It doesn't really take something uh, above and beyond. It can literally just go uh, start with going for a 10-minute walk during the day. It can start with... Not eating that extra bag of chips that, that you consume, not binging in the evening, and also doing a lot of mental health work. Mental health work is one of the biggest things because one of the things that I've noticed amongst a lot of the clients that I work with now, they're emotional eaters. 
they're big emotional eaters. They're stressed out because of their business. There's closeouts happening. They're not meeting certain quotas. They're, they're not doing what they need to do for their businesses. And one of the biggest things that they go to is food. They start snacking. They start you know, early morning yeah. snacking, mid midday snacking, or not late night snacking because their children are up at two, three in the morning. So now they're lacking sleep, and now their hormones are out of whack, which is leading to more snacking. Yeah. So it's the basic minor things that you can literally eliminate out of your life that's going to get you a little, bit, you know, one step further in your health process. I think one of the easiest ways for improving your mental health is physical health. Yeah. Because the the I mean, what goes through your body, bro, when when you are pushing out that energy, you're physically using your body, your your I don't know what goes on with me when when you put me in the gym and I'm working out and I do my thing. Like if I can't work out, like these last three weeks, I couldn't work out and wait because of my my eye surgeries. You feel a difference in your energy and the way. Oh, bro, I feel the difference. Yeah, health. I was I was pissed. I, even though you you had me doing you know body weight type stuff, it wasn't like getting under that you know pulling weight, bro. It yeah. wasn't like hey Matt, lift up four plates on each side and do do dead whatever that deadlift we were doing yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's nothing like that, man. There's just something awesome about being under pressure, dealing with resistance. Lifting weight, you know, just just pushing it out there. That's why that's why the Rock calls it the Iron Paradise. Yeah, you know, it's so. Um, but but you know, when I'm looking at leaders in movies, politicians, corporate America, there is a certain phys physical appearance that leaders have that was, pat people naturally follow. When was the last time you saw an obese leader, political leader, overweight? Sure, but I'm talking yeah. about obese, morbidly obese. Yeah, right. you, yeah you look at guys in their 60s, 70s, and their leaders right now. Sure, they have a little gut. Yeah. You know, the hormones are dropping, yeah. so they're so yeah. they're, you know the age is catching up to them. But yeah. when was the last time you actually saw an influential person be out of shape? When yeah, was the last yeah. time you saw Bezos out of shape? Yeah, when Bezos was starting his company, he was out of shape. He had that dad bod. But the moment he's, this man started making millions and billions, yeah, six pack, six pack. And speaking of him, he just got married again. Yeah, <laughs> he just got married. Hopefully, he had a prenup, right? And and uh, um, um, uh, Facebook, you got uh, Zuck. Doing jujitsu now. Jujitsu, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jocko Willick. You know, he could have gotten out of the military as a Navy SEAL and just decided to not work out anymore. Well, let me ask you a question since, you know, you were in the military. Why is it that a lot of military men and women, once they're out of out of the military, they just, they just say, fuck it. Sorry for two, my language. Two things. Number one, they revolt against being told what to do. Yeah. I was doing this for the last eight years, 20 years of my life. Somebody told me I had to be at PT at five o'clock in the morning, zero five information. They just want to say, I'm not working out anymore. Uh, the second part of it is that there's nobody telling them what to do. Uh, you don't have to anymore. You know, for example, as an entrepreneur, the worst boss for you to have is yourself because you let yourself off the hook too many times. So when you don't have a platoon sergeant, when you don't have somebody in charge telling you to be information zero five, we're going on a three, four, five, six mile run, you don't do it anymore. Uh, and then number three, they, when you're not doing it amongst your formation, like for example, I've ran further. I, I ran miles and, and we humped miles with packs on our backs for miles longer together than it would individually. Yeah. So they lose that sense of camaraderie. They lose that sense of brotherhood and sisterhood with, with their fellow brothers and sisters in, in, in uniform. And, and they don't go that extra mile any longer because they don't have anybody else. Incurred. Not only do they have a platoon sergeant up to you know what, but they also don't have the camaraderie of the brothers and sisters you know, in formation running along with them. And they, lose, and they lose those three things. That's why they got to find that next mm -hmm. community for them to plug into when they get out. Speaking of uh, running, are you, are you still going to be doing that Murph challenge? We're going to do the Monday. Murph, bro. Yeah. We're going to do the Murph. Now, so next Monday, in honor of Memorial Day, we are going to do the Murph workout, which is a one-mile run, and it's 100 pull-ups, 200 push-ups, 300 air squats, and finishing off with another mile run next Monday on Memorial Day. So uh, we're going to be looking for a location to do it here in, in the Frisco area. Yep. Most likely might be the, the star here in Dallas. So if you guys are out there and you're off on Monday, join us. 
Monday, Memorial Day for the Murph workout, uh, location to be determined, time to be determined. Stay posted to our Instagram, stay posted to our social media, and we'll post the, the location and we'll post the time. Uh, let's go to the next one. Um, speaking of fitness, UFC middleweight champion Israel Adesanya's ex-girlfriend takes him to court for half of his wealth because they, quote, unquote, they dated too long and she supported his career. Um, can, we, can we take a look at this? Uh, do you want me to show on my end, uh, Jordan? Okay. So here. So this is a, 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 a UFC fighter, Sean, disclosed that while speaking on a podcast, I should a YouTube channel. She goes, I don't know how the relationship was because I didn't even know he had a girlfriend. But to want half of what he's gone out there and done is absolutely ridiculous. So this threat of of a woman coming into a man's life is probably one of the biggest reasons why men don't want to date or even get married of, of this gold digger factor. And so when you come along and he's busting his ass, he's the one taking punches. He's the one out there working. He's the one taking the hits in the gut and, 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 and battle rattle and, and, and got the gear on. He's in the octagon. He's working. He's sweating his ass. He's working his ass off. And for just for him to choose the wrong woman and woman to expect that just because I date, not married you, but dated you, I expect half your wealth because I invested so much. What did you invest? What did you invest in his career? Granted, emotional support, but what did you financially and physically invest that you deserve and think that you can go in court and take half of what he's earned? So I think you're wrong. I think you need to get off this horse. I think uh, you need to find out what your values, morals, and principles are. Don't you ever think that you can come into a man's life and take his half his money. You didn't, what, what, you dated? Not married, didn't have kids with him? You didn't build a house together? You didn't build a business together? So I don't know the details of his fighting career. All I know is he was in that ring. He is the one taking punches. He is the one working out. Not you. And you think you deserve half of his wealth? Unreal. Get out of here, man. What's your thoughts? Biggest reason why it's one of the scariest things for me to date at the age and time that I'm in my in life. In this era, man. yeah. In this era, right yeah. now. Right now, I was actually talking to one of my friends last night. We went to go watch a movie, and we after the movie, we sat down, had a couple of drinks, and we were just talking about life and, and relationships. And I think that's one of the biggest reasons why also social media is uh, not something that I strive for to push when it comes down to, hey, you want to get to know me? Go on my social media and get to know me. Yep. Because people go on social media, they see the blue check mark. They see the numbers, people following you. They see the content that you put out. Oh, you're in a Millionaire's Goals podcast, so that must mean X Y Z X Y Z X Y Z. And automatically, the shift goes from I'm not interested to Oh, there's some form of benefit here. I'm going to be interested now. And it's one of the scariest things meeting someone um, in, in that realm. For example, one of my clients uh, that lives in in Orlando, Florida. Uh, this guy is doing pr pretty well for himself. He's you know multimillionaire. Guy's in his late 30s, doing well, still single. And when, when he would go out, he'd pull up uh, onto his date in a, in a foreign vehicle consistently. And for some reason, he kept attracting these superficial women, superficial women, superficial mm -hmm. women. So I would joke around with him a lot. I'm like, hey, man, why don't you look into maybe possibly getting something simpler, like a, a smaller car, maybe not so luxurious, and just even going above and beyond and saying, hey, why don't you buy like a Honda Civic and show up on your first day in a Honda <laughs> Civic to see if they still have the same energy as you do. Yeah. But I think a lot of it falls on us as men, you know, not, yeah. not knowing what to look for in a woman, the compatibility mm -hmm. when it comes down to emotional, mental intelligence. Yeah. And 
if are you looking for someone to add to your ego? Are you looking for someone to add to your spiritual life? Are you looking for someone to add to your to your financial life? Because if we're just looking for someone to add to our e to our ego and in you know to to you know just having being able to have a beautiful side piece, we're going to get these consequences of you know women trying to take your money, women trying to take advantage of you. But if we're actually looking for a life partner, we know what we're looking for, and that's something that I've been working on these last couple of years, trying to figure out exactly what it is that Milton Alvarez needs and wants, not just wants, but also needs. I think when we're able to do that, we're able to take the people that we look for through a filtering system so that we don't end up in a shitty position like a lot of these athletes end up in. Yeah, and, and sometimes, as a, I think this day and age, as an athlete, if somebody is out there, you're a celebrity, whether you're an influencer, or whatever the case may be, I think you need to have a friend or a family member interview the people that you're bringing into your life. Interview. Interview. Never heard of that before. Yeah. And manage expectations up front. Like, what are your intentions? What are you, for example, you know, uh, uh, first impressions are everything. And um, if, if, if my children are going to bring me a boyfriend or girlfriend and they cast me a wrong impression, that means they don't value the father in their life. And already they're on the outs with me. Because I've provided, protected, and cherished your life all the way up until this point. Why should I ever give up that trust to somebody here who gave me a wrong first impression? Yeah. You're, you're interviewing for a position to be in that person's family. And people say, well, I don't care about mom and dad. It's our life. It's our it's our relationship. Yeah, but guess what? Who raised them? Guess whose values and principles that raised that kid from birth to however old their, your, your kid is? So let me ask you this. For, for all the new fathers out there who have daughters, what, what, what would be like maybe like three, four things that you look for in a guy? When they start dating, I look to see if that guy is going to come to me right away, introduce himself to me, look me in the hand, shake me in the hand. I want to see if this guy is willing. To, I want to see if this guy is confident, willing to protect my daughter, honor my daughter, provide for my daughter. And you know, what one time? Well, <laughs> I'll give this is a personal family story, but I'll keep it to ourselves for for the moment. But if he doesn't, and he doesn't sell me on the fact that he's got something where. He's providing and taking care of his own bills. He's got his own career. He's got his own vision for where he wants to head. And he's sitting there slobbering all over my daughter next to me. Bro, done. Out. See you. Are you kidding me? You're showing no self-control in front of me? I can only imagine what type of lack of self-control you have behind yeah, doors. Yeah. So, you know, honor my daughter. And if you want to honor my daughter, you better honor her father. If you don't know how to honor her father, then guess what? You can be raising a generation where there's no honor in that family. And that just doesn't fly with me. So, yeah. Think about that, bro. Your life changes when you have a daughter, man. <laughs> um, speaking of, of, of honoring uh, and values and principles, let's look at this next video. If you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, you're trying to live in this crazy world without what? Let's take a look at this. Well, if you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, do you realize what you're doing? You're trying to live in this crazy, mixed-up world without the greatest helper you could possibly have. The wisest thing you can do is to ask the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins. Tell him that you admit your sinfulness. You have rebelled against him. You ask him to forgive you on the basis of what he did at the cross when he shed his blood at Calvary. You ask him to forgive you because he promised to do it, not because you deserve it. And surrender your life to him. Then let him take over your life. Let him give guidance and direction for your life. And all of a sudden, everything will change. And that's my prayer for you. Mm. You know, I, I look at the, this type of video. And like when I was younger, I'm like, my biggest mistake was I didn't need a helper. I got this. I know everything, man. What, what do you know at 21 years old? I know everything. And what happens when you're 25? 
I know nothing. <laughs> right? And by the time you hit 30 years old, you're starting all over again. And by the time you start all over again, next year you're in a relationship, you get married, you have kids, and by the time you're 40, okay, babe, let's get our life started. So that's why I'm excited for you, man, because uh, you, you've not made any big mistakes up to this point in your life. That's my, that's my big hope for most men. That from 20 to 30 to 40, no big mistakes. You don't get the wrong girl pregnant. You don't marry the wrong person. No DOIs, no prison sentences, nothing that takes years away from you and adds grief to your life. That's what I mean by 20 years of no big mistakes. Now we'll have failures here and there, of course. Setbacks here and there, of course. 100%. No big mistakes. So therefore, by the time you're in your 40s to your 60s, now you're on a big run. You're on a big run to make the most amount of money in your life to maximize the best working years left because after from, from 40 to 60, you've got 20 years of adulting behind you already and now you're in a different stride in life. From 40, 50, 60, I feel like right now I'm, I'm a great stride in my life but to turn 50 here later on in October and from, 50, and from 50 to 60, I'm in the greatest earning years of my life. The coolest part about this too as well, guess what the best phase of most men's life is? 60, that's number one. Yeah. Second best phase of a man's life is 70 to 80. Third best phase of a man's life is 50 to, uh, 50 to 60. So 60 to 70, 70 to 80, and then number three is 50 to 60. So I'm about to enter the third greatest phase of my life. So I'm, I'm excited about this because you got years of adulting, kids are grown, kind of figure out what's right, what's not right. Why? Because I got the greatest helper behind me, and that's Jesus. That's my Savior. We all need to be saved, man. We all got sins. And uh, we're going to talk about another topic here in a second because... Um, uh, of a mom raising her children in a mom immune, but before we continue with that topic, what's your thoughts on this? How is Jesus in your life, brother? Well, two parts for this. One is is more of a pushback on the idea of grinding X amount of years and then enjoying it for an X amount of time. A lot of these young cats in their early 20s, mid-20s, and even a little bit later, guys in their early, early 30s, women in their early 30s, they say, let's pretend, Matt, you had no, you didn't have kids. You were married. You were in a relationship with Sheena, still together, but just zero kids whatsoever. A lot of people would ask, "Well, what's the point of grinding super hard to make all this money and accomplish so many things and attain X Y Z amount of material and yeah. get X amount of status? So that way, X Y Z person, you and Sheena, or you and your partner, whoever is 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 in this position, to be able to enjoy it." from the age of 60 and beyond when average lifespan is around 75 years old. So we work 40, 50 years extremely hard just so that we can enjoy that work in the last 15, 20 years of our life. And during that time, the amount of energy that we have in, our, in ourselves, in our cells even, the amount of energy we have, the amount of uh, cognitive decline that that's actually happening and where we're at in position physically, we can't even really enjoy the amount of, we can't enjoy the fruit of the work and the labor that we, that we put in for 50, 60 years. How mm -hmm. do you combat that? That, that, that thought process. I think you, by the way, I think you should travel a lot. I think you yeah. should travel a lot in your youth when you don't have a lot of kids. Yeah. That's why I said don't have a lot of big mistakes. So from 20 to 40 years old, you don't have to worry about babysitters or people watching the kids. You can travel the world. Why? When you travel the world, you gain greater perspective, yeah. you gain greater amount of gratitude for what America brings, what your family brings, uh, uh, because you're, you're visiting uh, people. I remember when I was in the military, we were getting shot at. They're shooting us because we're Americans. They're not shooting at us because we're black or white or Latino or Asian or whatever. They're shooting us because we're Americans. If the enemy could care less about our race, all they care about is America. Yeah. Patch on our shoulder. Mm -hmm. Why do we here in America care so much about our race if our enemy doesn't? Yeah. And so that's, that, 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 that's the thing with 
with with uh, traveling and, and getting to certain levels. And by the way, getting a house, whatever case, for me is not status. It's a level of provision for our family to create options. Because if I don't, then I'm robbing options uh, from my family if I don't pursue these things. And this is my job as a provider. This is my job as a leader of the house. So, um, so that's, that would be my answer. Would your outlook be different if you didn't have kids? Would my outlook be different if I didn't have kids? Yes, of course. It'd be very self-centered you know, t- to myself, but it'd still be with a vision of down the road. Because what's the purpose of getting married? Purpose of having a family. Because I want to create generational impact, generational wealth, generational difference. I want my last name to live on for a long time. Yeah. That's, if, if, I, if I don't have that vision, sure, bro, you, see me, you, you know where to find me. I'm easy to find at uh, your local uh, watering, watering establishment. <laughs> That's where that's where uh, you'd find me if I was if I was single, owned till I'm forty. Yeah. But doing it all over again, I wish I had waited to have kids in my forties versus having kids in my twenties, forties, forties. Because now my finances are set, my home is set. I have more stability in my life in my forties than I did in my twenties. Raising kids in my twenties because I've, I've I've had kids in my twenties and I had kids in my forties. I prefer having kids in my forties. You know, I don't have to think about certain things in my forties with money behind me and relationships behind me than I had in 20s. I'm yelling at the kids out the house. Ah, let's go, we're late. 40s, you ready to go? Let's go, come on, let's go, All right? Different dad. Different dad. Completely different dad. Completely different dad. Here's the thing, also for, for, I can speak this on myself, a lot of men, women too, but I'm speaking on behalf of men, when you live in a very cultural environment with families, you know, who tend to multiply over the years, and having moms and older, you know, grandparents, grandparents or parents who are very pushy to the idea, like, hey, you need to be able to have kids before I pass away. Mm-hmm. You need to have kids before I pass away. And is that constant pressure? Why aren't you yeah. dating? Why aren't you married? Why don't you have kids? I'm seventy plus years old. Yeah. I have a couple years to my name left. And if you can't have kids by this time, it's going to be a disgrace. Yeah. So, how, 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 what, what would your advice be to that demographic of young, you know young men and women who are being pressured by the families that, regardless of what your financial situation may be, you need to be able to have kids so you can please that old generation. As a as a as a younger family member, you need to have. Now you're an adult. Yeah. Okay. You're not you're not you're not you're no longer little you know little Milton, little Matt around family. You're an adult. Yeah. You're a grown man. You're a grown woman. And quite frankly, I've had to establish rules for my parents. I, I've never had grandparents I was raised with. I don't mm-hmm. know my grandparents. I knew of them for about maybe 15 minutes because they were in the Philippines, but I'd never had a relationship with them, and then they passed away. But you have to have expectations up front. It's none of your business when we have kids. It's none of your business. We don't need that unnecessary pressure. If you continue to have the pressure, then you will not be invited to some of the family events. It's hard, hardcore is that. Yeah. Because it's unnecessary if we put the pressure on my wife, the pressure on me, of when we're going to have kids, not have kids, do this, do that. We got enough pressures and stress in our life. So please, it's none of your business. When it happens, it happens. Until then, we'll let you know. But you have to manage expectations up front. And when you start making money, because people in your family think they're entitled to your money. Your children think you're entitled to your money. Right? And so you got to manage expectations up front. This is how you ask me for money. Boom. Here are the things I will provide for. Boom. You gotta have to have, to have those conversations up front. Because if you don't have those conversations up front, what happens is when people are frustrated at each other and stress and conflict with each other is because there's unmet expectations. Because they expected you to help out. They expect you to get them a car. They expect you to get without you saying anything about that. But because you're the millionaire, you don't make money, people expect you to do this. No, you don't owe anybody, financially speaking, anything. 
Now, it's in your kindness of your heart, do it, but you don't owe them anything. And you need to communicate that. You need to share that uh, to them when you start, or start making more money. And by the way, it doesn't need, need to be, you know, you don't need to be a millionaire to have that conversation. You have a job. You know, going on a date. All right, by the way, going on business lunch. So when I go out in business lunch, hey guys, by the way, we still do it. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm paying for this bill. I got this. Last night, we we're having cigars after the, our meeting last night. Hey guys, I got, I got, the, I got the sticks, you get the drinks. Right? So, so it's as simple as that. Or I got this. And next thing you know, when I went to go pay the bill, oh, what happened? Where's the bill? No, so and so, Jesse Moon, he paid for it all. <laughs> Jesse Moon. You know? Uh, argue over the bill. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's when you know you're hanging around the right people. When you're arguing who pays the bill, yeah. not who isn't adding their contribution to the bill. Yeah. That's when you know you're hanging around the right If you're having that conversation, you shouldn't be having dinner together. Because now you've got unmet expectations. All right, let's, uh, let's get to the next subject. Speaking of unmet expectations, uh, people today are having a tougher time making ends meet. So the question is, for those of you watching this, whether they're live or the replay, how is your financial home doing? May here of 2023, how is your financial home doing? Because here's what Bloomberg reported. Um, let's take a look at this, uh, uh, Jordan, on my screen. Yeah. Here we go. Almost 90 million Americans struggle to make ends meet. About 38.5% of American adults, or 89.1 million people, faced difficulty in paying for usual home expenses between April 26th and May 8th, according to the latest household study. That's up 34.4% a year ago and 267 during the same period in 2021. So still, people are having a hard time making ends meet. Um, before I go into some of my thoughts here, um, are you facing it too in a personal trainer side? A lot of your clients, is there a specific demographic clients that's fallen off or a specific client that you've added on? What are you seeing on your side as an entrepreneur? Uh, as a, because one of the first things that people get rid of is luxury items. And people think sometimes a trainer is a luxury, is a luxury item. item. When in reality, is, is, is definitely something more than a luxury item, man. Um, actually, as far as clientele-wise, I'm getting more clients now. I'm getting more clients now, which is weird. You, you would think that in the industry that I'm in, you, you wouldn't be getting the amount of clientele. But a lot of people are starting to see the benefits of actually having a coach in your corner and someone's going to help you on a mental, on an emotional, and on a physiological level. One of your guys actually just inquired me for my services. It's great. In, uh, I think, Pasadena, California, which I'm flying out to him, Mr. Solis. I'm flying out to him in a couple of weeks nice. to, so we can hang out with his team. It's great. But people are seeing the benefit of it. Where I am seeing the downfall is within the industry itself. A lot of trainers don't have a plan. A lot of, a lot of trainers don't understand the business of what it is to be in this industry. And a lot of them are still falling short of you know that next level for themselves. And they're not, they're not acquiring the right clients. They're not acquiring the right demographic. They don't know how to run a business. So they're yeah. still sticking to the gyms. And the gyms aren't making profit. So now since the gyms aren't making profit, they aren't making profit. Now these trainers are looking for side hustle, side gigs. Yeah. And if, 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 if you're cool with it, I got, I got four things that has helped me in my industry. From when I first started my, my business to where I'm, I'm at today, and maybe you can kind of say yes, no, yes, no to what I'm about to say. Okay. Everyone to the idea. You know, and this is something that I call, you know, being able to fight inflation with a flat income. Just whatever you make at your job, and mm. that's a guaranteed income every week, every bi weekly or monthly. But being able to fight it as much as you possibly can so that way you're not in the trenches. Number one is being able to budget ex uh, budget expenses and being able to track everything that you do. By the way, I agree with this. By the way, I've got three points here too. So that was my number one. Budgeting. Budgeting is the most annoying thing for people to do because it forces yeah. you to look at your bank statements. It forces you to categorize your expenses. Yeah. It forces you to categorize it between wants and needs or unnecessary. Yeah. It forces you to 
to identify what your habits are because what you value, that's where your money goes. Yeah. So number two is reducing discretionary spending, being able to cut back on on non-essential expenses and also being able to find uh, cheaper alternatives. You know, instead of going to these luxury stores, go to like a Costco or a Sam's Club. I don't, I'm not sure if they have Sam's. Here Newsflash, all my Gucci stuff, I don't go to Gucci for it, bro. eBay. He goes to eBay. I and, go to eBay. Or a Dick's Sporting Goods parking lot. I'm out of a truck with a man's car. Come on, baby. Remember that? Remember that? Come on, baby. So Milton remembers when I'm buying a Gucci from a guy if on eBay, secondhand. It was a backpack and a belt. This man texted me. I think you called me or you texted me like, hey, man. I need you to meet me at so-and-so place at this time. I'm like, all right, sure, something's going on. He's like, just I need you to meet me there. <laughs> so I meet him at a Dick Sporting Goods parking lot. And I'm like, all right, man, I'm here. What's going on? He's like, I'm meeting someone here. I'm like, oh. I'm out here thinking like the worst of the worst, right? He's like, no, no, no. This guy's trying to sell me a Gucci bag. I just want to make sure that this guy's clean, doesn't try to pull a fast one on me. So this, this man's doing Gucci bag transactions in the middle of a Dick Sporting Goods parking lot at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And it's a pretty nice Gucci bag, man. Hey, bro. It's, yeah. It's, 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 Twenty five hundred dollars combined together. I, I I bought it for what a thousand, twelve hundred bucks. Yeah, you know, because when times are tough, people get rid of their stuff. Yeah, you know, and I went down to Gucci to verify and validate it. It's good to go. And yeah, and 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 then the last two, uh, being being able to save and invest wisely, being able to being able to save the amount of money, knowing knowing how to build that financial home for yourself, and knowing what you need to set apart in order for you, for you to have an emergency savings. And the last one, which is a combination of two, seek professional development help. And also being able to stay informed, being around the right crowds, reading the right books, listening to the right podcasts, listening to the right audiobooks, so that way you know exactly what to do. But maybe maybe you um, you may agree yeah. with this, maybe you may disagree with this, this portion. One of the things that helped me during uh, uh, during my late 20s was I had student loan debt, I had my car note, I had credit card debt, and I had some other debt that I had to take care of uh, for my extended family. And it was just a lot, a lot of money coming from different places, coming out of my account. And there was more money leaking out than more money coming in. Yeah. So what I ended up doing was I took out a nice fat loan. So now I paid everything off, and I just had one loan to worry about. Correct. So do you think someone in, in you know consolidation? Could, yeah, someone could actually benefit from taking this route as long as you have decent credit, going this route, so that way you can pay off you know consolidate your high yeah. de- you know high debt, being able to lower the interest rates, and this also paying off all this debt from multiple places will also increase your improve your credit score. Um, and also, if you take a, a nice loan out and you have some extra cash, why not be able to invest in educational skills mm-hmm. that you can obtain so that way you can create yep. a side hustle or yep. a side business? Yep. Would you agree that? So the short answer is yes. Yes. But there's also a downside to it. Okay. So the short answer is yes because now you eliminate a credit utilization rate from your credit cards yeah. and you combine it to a personal loan. So therefore, your credit card utilization rate drops, which increases your, your credit score. Now, here's the flip side to it. Based on this article, check this. what this article says. Many households are resorting to credit cards or loans to cover the expenses with over 25 million households doing so, reflecting an increase from the previous year. However, this reliance on credit cards possesses additional concerns as the average interest rate of this debt now exceeds 20%. So, here's the danger. The, the danger is the temptation, again, once you get the consolidation loan taking care of all the credit cards, what's the temptation? To charge those credit cards all over again. Yeah. That that's the temptation. Yeah. So here's a solution. Put those credit cards, cup of coffee, in the freezer. Okay? Yeah. And so the temptation for you to use the credit cards, you get, what do you got to do now? You gotta take it out of the freezer, you gotta wait for it to defrost. And hopefully by the time this thing defrosts, you lost the emotional desire to purchase whatever it is that you're purchasing. Because most purchases are emotional. 
100%. And so the moment you start invoking more logic to your financial decision-making process and remove emotion from it, the more you're going to be in a better financial position. And going back uh, off of that, I don't think I'd be able to do the coffee, the coffee mug in, in the freezer. I think that automatically just defreeze it and start swiping. I had to leave my credit cards back home in Chicago. Okay. I gave my mom my credit cards. Like, mom, hold on to these. Don't give them yeah. to me. <laughs> if I call you, don't give them to me. Don't hand them to me. When I come back and I there need it, I will use it. But in Texas, I need to be able to just use whatever I have in my banks. That's right. Yeah. By the way, some stats here. Now, I would add here too as well. Ask a pay raise from your employer. Hmm. What do I got to do to get a pay raise? What do I got to do to get a promotion? Why? Here's the downside though. Average pay raise in 2023 per Fortune magazine is 4 to 5% increase. That's it. Social Security, if you're on Social Security, if you're older, is up to 8.7% in 2023. The largest increase in Social Security since uh, from 40 years ago. So the Federal Reserve again meets June 14th to possibly raise interest rates again for the 11th time in a row. Uh, let's, let's take a look at this, uh, this inflation chart. Uh, Jordan, can we take a look at my screen real quick? This is where inflation is at. It was at a high at 9.1% in June of 2022. It's starting to go down. So we've had 10 consecutive Federal Reserve interest rates. Every time they've met, they've increased interest rates. Guess what's starting to happen to the interest rate, or excuse me, the inflation rate now? It's starting to go down. So this is, this is looking good. This is looking very favorable, okay, in terms of how inflation rates are starting to go down. So what happens is when the, the Federal Reserve up here, they're raising rates, raising rates, raising rates, there's a lag in when this actually is going to affect the economy. They say it's about a six-month lag. So they're thinking that June 14th, they're not going to raise the interest rates again, which is good, which means that mortgage rates will be stable, credit card rates will be stable, loan rates will be stable, right? So that's the benefit of it. But now what you got to do then is got to find a pay raise that's going to increase your income above inflation. Because if you got a pay raise of 5% and inflation is still 5%, you're not getting anywhere ahead, uh, anywhere ahead with your money. So the third thing, if your, your employer, your boss is not giving you a pay raise, you got you to increase your income. What Milton and I have done is gone in business for ourselves and many, many others. Man, bro, last night, over 86 people were at our office looking to make more money. 86. Last night, 86. We had to split our, our rooms. And by the way, we don't advertise our workshops at our office. This is all by word of mouth. It's all by referrals. And over 86 people at our office last night looking to make more money, looking to make ends meet because their boss is not giving them the pay raise, so they got to go out. So starting your own side business is no longer a luxury. It's simple as finding a big problem and creating a solution to make people's lives easier or better. So, you know, you know oftentimes... You know, people say, oh, it's impossible to start a business. It's impossible to start a business. Listen, you're looking at two guys right now on the Millionaire Goals podcast without a college degree between the two of them. I had a 2.2 GPA in high school. Do you remember what your GPA was in high school? 2.3, 2.4. Somewhere they just know yeah, to stay eligible. Yeah. Shout out Proviso West. But we've shifted through entrepreneurship and invoking the right values and principles of capitalism to create our own economy, to have economic mobility. It's not reserved for us. And by the way, this is annoying for a lot of people. When they hear this message, you know why? Because it forces you to improve. It forces you not to be lazy anymore. Forces you to put that video game controller down and pick up a book, pick up a manual, and learn how to pick up a new skill to start a new business. And by the way, there's so many different business. If I go to different cities, you can create a community of entrepreneurs getting together, create a mastermind group, a meeting for entrepreneurs to get together. But here's what many people take for granted in their youth, though. Their ability and capacity to earn income. 
You're in your you're in your twenties. You're in your thirties, right? You're in your forties right now. What you take for granted is your ability to make more money. Because why? Because I run across people in their fifties, sixties, seventies. You know what the wish they had? I wish I had my youth to know what I know now back then. I hear that all the time in my office. So don't take that for granted. So here's another article. There's questions about the core assets of the American dream, which is buying a home. Should you buy a home ever? Uh, let's take a look at this article. We can see it here. Um, boom. Americans have had a sudden change of heart about buying a house, and only one in five think it's a good idea. So for those of you watching this live, for those of you watching this replay, do you think it's wise and smart to buy a house? Because right now, only one in five think it's a good idea. Put your, put it, I'd love to know what you guys are, are, are thinking. Put it in the comment section. But if you're on the live chat, let us know in the live chat. Uh, let me know if anybody in the live chat says yeah. anything about uh, make, making a wise decision to buy a house today. So based on this article, only 21% of Americans feel it's good to buy a house now, marking the lowest homebuyer sentiment in Gallup's data since 1978. Wow. Lowest sentiment of buying a house since 1978. Factors contributing to low sentiment include substantial increase in interest rates and soaring home prices with the median income currently at four, median house home price at $436,000 compared to three twenty nine dollars before the pandemic. Housing affordability is at its lowest point in years. So, Milton, you and I have an American dream, right? Definition of the American dream per Investopedia. The American dream is the belief that anyone, regardless of where they were born or what class they were born into, can attain their own version of success in a society in which upward mobility is a possibility for everyone. Possibility for everyone. That's why we got millions of people storming our borders, our unmanaged and unprotected borders, because people are coming here for the American dream. You got, yeah, you, you bought some property. Why'd you buy a house? Why'd you buy a condo? At the time, it made sense. What, what give us those factors? At the time, I mean, at the time, it makes sense. I, um, you know, I studying the, you know, the houses, your house of money, and. Being able to say, you know what, man? I think, I think, on a personal level, let's let's go personal. Let's put let's put the business aspect and the 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 education aspect to the side for a little bit. The personal aspect was this: uh, my parents and I grew up. I grew up in a household. I mean, it was a simple house, you know, lower middle class um, neighborhood. It wasn't it wasn't that great? It was around the, the hillside Bellwood area um, in Illinois, next almost close to Proviso, West Proviso East High School. And in 2012, 2013. You know, I had a sheriff knock on my front door and say, hey, you're being served for X, Y, Z reasons. If you guys need to be, be out within the next two weeks. And not knowing what's going on, because during the time I was going to college, I was in and out in and out of the house and talking to my father. Hey, man, what's going on? What happened? He said, look, man, I'm, I'm sorry, but I, I failed as a, as a man and I failed as a father. We're getting our home foreclosed and mm. we need to be out of here in two weeks. And I don't know where we're going. So... Um, I think this is the time for you to step up and figure out what you're going to do with your life because I don't know what I'm going to do for you, for, for your mom and for myself. And during that time, they were still going through a divorce. So th the house got foreclosed. My dad was actually the last one to leave the household, and he's the one who got escorted out. Um, so by, that, by the end of the two weeks, all of our furniture was out. We sold everything. We threw everything away. My mom moved in with her daughter, the oldest daughter. My dad moved in with one of his daughters. They were both previously married. And then that's where I was technically homeless, college student, working two, three part-time jobs, trying to figure out how to make ends meet for myself and jumping from people's basement to basement to basement to basement, trying to figure out you know, what's next for me. Again, no type of financial intelligence, nothing, just trying to figure my life out. And I always held on to this 
notion of one day I'm gonna buy a house, one day I'm gonna buy property, one day I'm gonna buy something and I'm gonna keep it and I'm gonna and I'm gonna make sure that I, I could just have something on my name yeah. because of my father, yeah. because of this. Yeah, for sure. So that's when I'm I, I pulled the trigger and said, you know what? Now's the time. Now's the time to be able to buy something. Um, and I I wasn't I was I've always been in the headspace of it'd be nice to be able to buy a duplex, it'd be nice to be able to buy XYZ. Um, so that way I could just have under my name. And again, it was never for gain, Matt. That's the thing. Like, I'm not trying to inflict any type of business or any type of financial aspect on, on this when it comes to the perspective review of this. I think for me, it was more of a personal thing. And I think I still have that chip on my shoulders. I just want to keep, I want to be able to buy more and be able to provide for my family, be able to provide and be able to have something that's mine, that when it's fully purchased and it's fully mine, yeah. no one's going to come knocking on my door and say, hey, it's time for you to get the hell out of this household. Sure. But by the way, here are, yeah. three, my, here are my three reasons to buy a house. I'm not a realtor. I'm not in mortgages. Here's three reasons why to buy a house, which you just talked about. Number one, stability. Yeah. If you plan on moving in a few years, by the way, don't buy a house. If you just want to stay in this community for one, two, three years, do not buy a house. But if you want to stay in a community for five, 10, 15, 20 years, uh, the projections, it'll be all right. It, it, it'll, it'll pan out. The things that we're going through as an economy, it'll pan out. But the biggest thing, though, is the stability. Stability for yourself, stability mentally. Because one of the greatest stressors in life is moving. Yeah, got to pack your stuff up, put in boxes, and go. Bags, go. You create yourself a lot of stability. Whatever property you own and purchase, it's your your own. You don't have to ask anybody for permission to improve the property, build this. Take that. That's also the downside because it, it costs you money. You got to fix it. You got to repair it. But also, you can improve it. And so, you know, if you're not looking to stay in the community, pocket the difference between what you're paying in rent versus what your mortgage would be. Mm. Pocket that difference for a future down payment down the road. But stability is a big thing, especially for kids, friends you grew up with, the stories you grew up with, a family territory you grew up with, it's it's uh, healthier and easier and or happier for kids. They call that home. Number two, future equity. Now keep this in mind, up to $750,000 of mortgage interest debt is tax deductible. You can leverage that for future opportunities. Down the road, your property might potentially appreciate, interest rates may come down, you might be able to do a cash out refinance, meaning that you're if the rates are coming down, your property, your your, your mortgage payment, uh, uh, will 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 the, the the balance will increase, but your mortgage payment stays the same. But now you got the chunk, let's say twenty grand or fifty grand or hundred grand, you can invest in another property, invest in another business. So that's the future equity of potential. The potential of home ownership is future equity. Number three, it's yours, baby. Take yeah. care of you. People take care of what they own. You ever see the difference between somebody renting an apartment versus owning a condo? Yes, big time. Big. They take care of it. Because they, they own it. By the way, this is one of the ways I bought a house. I bought multiple properties with a lease to own. Because I was a much different tenant to a landlord. I said, listen, I'm going to buy this. Here's a bigger down payment. And I treated that property much differently. But, you know, your mortgage payment then also is predictable. So if these landlords rising interest rates, you're, you're not dealing with any of that stuff by because you've bought a house. Now, here's the X factor. It's easier to lower the interest rate of your home Versus buying the home for a lower price. Depending on the area, price have been drastically reduced. So, Milton, let's, let's take a look at Realtor.com real quick. Let's, sure, go, let's, look, look back, uh, let's look at uh, our, our Dallas area. So, if you can uh, take a look at this. Um, here's, here's Dallas real estate, okay? I'm going to go here. Uh, uh, relevant listings, okay? You can buy a $60 million house here, Milton, and, uh, at 5619 uh, Walnut Lane in Dallas. Today, go down there, bro. Buy it today for $60 mil. Look at this place, man. It's tight. Okay? But... Here's the thing. I go here to recently reduced. Why, why, why do you think, Milton, people are reducing the, the listing price of the house? What are they trying to do? Find more potential buyers. Exactly. Okay? 
So right now here, look, look at here, this $1.4 million house in, in Dallas, they just dropped the price, 50,000 bucks. See there? Yeah. Right next to the price, they dropped to 50,000 bucks. So what are they doing? They dropped the price. So this is, what, this is what they call a buyer's market. Look at this house here, uh, 514, look, looking pretty good. That, they dropped to 10 grand. Three bedroom, three and a half bath house. Beauty, man. Okay. Um, if you like uh, downtown living, you know, apartment 812, you like this condo downtown, Today you can pick it up for six fifteen down twenty thousand bucks. So they're they're three bed three bath twenty one hundred square feet type of uh, condo. Uh, let's take a look at Chicago. What about <laughs> Chi Town? All right, let's go to Chicago here. Uh, let's go to relevant listings in Chicago. The number one property for sale on the market right now is a thirty million dollar house. I think this is in uh, Lincoln Park. Look at, that, look at that bad boy. Six bed seven and a half bath twenty five thousand square feet. That's huge for Chicago. That's humongous. Two hundred k a month. Right? Yeah. That's it. That's your mortgage payment. $197,000 a month. That's all. Pick it up today. They haven't dropped the price on it yet. <laughs> so if you're looking for property, they did drop it. Sorry. Go from relevant listing to recently reduced. Boom. Here's some opportunities. Okay. Uh, let's, let's take a look at uh, let's take a look at this uh, uh, 2708 West Thomas. Is that a duplex? Yeah. So it's three flat. For people in Texas, people from the South, the, you're not buying a whole property here. You're buying a floor. Yeah. <laughs> no. So you can buy this floor here. This they said uh, apartment too. You're buying the second floor for three hundred eighty-nine thousand. Twelve hundred square feet, man. That's so small for four hundred thousand dollars. We, we, we say that not because we're in Texas, but uh, who would love that? People love to have twelve hundred square feet in Chicago. That's about this is how small and how close properties are in Chicago for four hundred grand. They dropped to six thousand bucks. Crazy, right? You know, uh, looking at these properties is, is reminding me of uh, there's a there's this trend going on. It's not a trend, but it, a lot of people between the ages of 24, 25 to about the age of 34 years old, mm -hmm. especially if you're friends, you live in a, within the same city, within the same community. Instead of rent, buying homes, renting out apartments or condos, they're like, dude, there's four of us. Why don't we just rent a big house? Or if there's like five, six of us, yeah. why don't we look into a mansion? Yeah. It's eight grand a month. We split it among six people. Sure, There's seven bedrooms. That's one way to do it. And now we all live in a mansion. If if the if the landlord would allow that, sure. Yeah, it has become a frat part. Uh, now here's the thing: you're up to the yay and nay of the uh, of the of the landlord, right? Yeah. Um, let's take a look at this one. Uh, where's this at? Twenty seven thirty four. That's that that's Humble Park. Okay, Humble Park, Humble Heights. If you ever watch the show Gangland, one of the biggest gangs in Gangland, that show is from Humble Park. Humble Park, right? Now we have a lot of yuppies showing up. Well, look at this. Look at this house. Five bedroom, three and a half bath. This is normally a two or three flat. Now this is a single family home. You can buy it for a million bucks. They dropped it a hundred thousand dollars. Mortgage payment is fifty six ninety two. So to your point, Milton, it's five bedrooms. So may, let's say two guys, three guys get together. They put together the cheese. Let's look at the payment. Let's look at the breakdown. If you can buy this house, what's the down payment on this house? $195,000 down payment. 2K. Okay. okay. So if you got four guys, that's 50 grand each. If they got it. If they got it, right? Yeah, if they got it, you, Everybody's got a bedroom, common areas, a kitchen, common areas, a common areas, living room, whatever, third floor, first floor, common areas. Yeah. But everybody's living in a million dollar house in Humble Park. Yeah. But you got to come with your 50K. Right, exactly. And then we got to pay our share of 56.92. So you split up with what, what uh, we'd said, four guys? Four guys. So if they have a fifty six ninety two uh, payment, uh, they're paying fourteen twenty three a month each. That's one way to do it. Yeah. And then down the road, you can sell it right. and split split the equity. 
Now, for veterans out there, here's the coolest part. Veterans, instead of having $195,000 down payment, use a veteran's loan. Zero down, baby. Look at that. It went from what? $195 to what? Zero. Zero. And the interest rates is actually lower. Veterans, if you're not using a VA loan, I just use my VA loan. VA loans, if you got the income to support it, there's no cap to the amount of house that you can buy. Who busted that lid? Trump during the uh, Tax Cut Job Act. He says there's no more limits on VA loans. So if you're if you want to if you're a veteran and you want to buy a house like this, no money down. Say, hey buddies, give me a give me 25k as a deposit. We all live in a, we all live in uh, one of the rooms, and you you pocket that difference. You invest that into other properties. They pay you 14, 23 a month rent. They're paying your mortgage, man. They're building your equity. That's one way to do it. Mr. Ladell Bugs is asking where are these homes at on the uh, chat. Oh, Chicago. This is Chicago. Liddell, what's up? So, uh, by the way, I love I love real estate. I've used my insurance career to purchase real estate to buy homes. Uh, Liddell, Liddell Bucks, who's commenting right in live chat, he was at my housewarming. You were at my housewarming? Yeah. So, I love having the opportunity for you to own. Pick a community you want to be a part of that you're anchoring down from your impact, not just as a homeowner, but as an entrepreneur, as a as a productive member of the society, of the community, you're doing your part, you're part of the school, you're part of the community activities and events, et cetera, et cetera. So speaking of community, what is the ideal environment to raise your kids? When I was younger and I was a single father of three kids, I chose people I can to be in a relationship with, whoever can financially support me and help me, man. So in other words, I was reactive versus proactive. But let's take a look at this mom in this article about this divorced mom raising a kid in a quote-unquote mom yun. Okay, I got divorced and decided to raise my kid in a mom yun. Basically, it's two divorced moms getting together. It could be, it could be a dad yun. Two dudes, you know, maybe not, you know, embracing each other, but <laughs> but they're raising their kids in a community because, financially speaking, they need each other's help right in latino cultures yeah. there's this idea of a co-mother a person who supports you and helps you raise your children true right yeah comadre comadre a, a, a godmother in filipino right of course because we had on the flip side compadre yeah right yeah. godfather yeah so what's your thoughts on this when you see more mom unions being uh, being built there in the community of divorced women that are raising kids away from the influence of a father I think in, in order to be able to, from my experience from working with a lot of youth in my mid, mid-20s and even now still working with youth and, and even working with a, uh, functional adults, you, you can see the difference between how men and women carry themselves from growing up in a household where both parents were there and active in their lives. There's a big difference between both parents being in the household and, but one parent completely being lacked out and being checked out. Yeah. But when you have both parties, both male and female, in the presence of this child and the way these children are wired in that setting versus in a setting where one party's completely lacking, completely absent, it, that, that not only does it impact uh, the way they perceive life, but it's also gonna impact the way they do relationships, the way they raise their own personal kids, the way they, they, mm -hmm. they, 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 uh, they do commitments, the way they do business, the way they run their finances. So, there's, there's so many things that are influenced by just the way the child's wired the first 10 years, the first decade of their life. And I think in order to be able to uh, bring up a 
strong kid in order for, for you to be able to uh, wire a, a, a productive uh, human being in a way where there's principles and values and morals instilled in, into them properly from both ends so you can have both perspectives, you need to be able to have both influences under the same household or at least some form of guidance of both parties in, in, uh, within that spectrum of, of, of the kid being raised versus just one-sided consistently. So what is the purpose of family? Yeah. What is the design of family? Is it mom munes? Is it dad munes? Here's my default setting. My default setting is what's God's design for family? And so what makes America, America? It was built upon Judeo-Christian principles. And what is Judeo-Christian principles? Our country was founded, our founders of our country was revolted from a tyrant, the king of England, uh, King George III. So the thing of Judeo-Christian values, for example, Milton, when it comes to math, two plus two is what? Five. <laughs> okay, you public high school, right? right, right? Yeah, yeah. And by the way, we laugh yes. at that because we know yeah. you're wrong. Yes. I don't care if you're white, you're black, you're Muslim, you're Christian, two plus two is always going to be four. four. What about uh, H2O? No matter the color of your skin, no matter how you're raised, H2O is it's water. Yeah. But when it comes to morals. So we have objective truths when it comes to science, objective truth when it comes to math, but the problem that we have, though, is objective truth when it comes to morals. If you don't have objective truths, then you default to object to now, instead of those objective truth, now you go into moral opinions. And that's where we have problems. And that's where we have conflict. So the question for you is what values are you following? So I choose to follow Judeo-Christian values in my personal life, my family life, my financial life, and how I run a business. For example, some of these values are, number one, there is one true God. And my God is the God of the Hebrew Bible, the God of the Old Testament, the God of the God of I am, the God that created Adam and Eve. So therefore, when I create that one anchor in my life that I understand I'm coming from a creator, a God that loves me, that designed me uniquely and specifically for a purpose, for a time such as this, then I know what I'm here for. The two greatest days of a man's life, the day he was born, the second was the day he realizes why he was born. So that, that's value number one. There's one true God, not God's, one true God. The second part of it is God is a source of origin for our rights. Not government, not man, not popular opinion, not by any democratic vote. God gives us rights. Not the president of the United States, not my principal, not my teacher, not my coach, not my entrepreneur down the road. God is a source of our rights. Third thing is we are creating an image of God. Mm -hmm. So race is not significant. No, Milton, we're like crayons in a crayon box. I don't care if you're red, black, white, yellow, brown. We're all crayons. Yeah. Like I said earlier, the enemy doesn't care if we're black, white, brown in an American uniform. They're firing us. They want to kill us because we're Americans. They don't have any judgment on what the color of our skin is. All they care is that we are Americans. Americans. Yeah. And I wish more Americans would look at each other like that. We're Americans. We're in this thing together. We got to figure this stuff out. And speaking of that, there's a value, I understand now being a single father of three kids and she and being a single mom of one and we come together as a blended family, there's a great difference between raising a child with both mom and dad in what you were just talking about earlier, mm -hmm. together and the same values and principles. And here's the thing too as well, if there's mom and dad raising a child, guess what you're supposed to have on both sides? Mom and dad, mom and dad, same values, same principles. So really it's not a village to raise a child, it's six parents, which include two parents, four grandparents to raise one child. And you have a whole community like that being raised. 
So that's when I when I visualize God's design of a family to raise a child. And what does it say in Proverbs? Raise a child in the ways of the word, so therefore when they grow, they won't depart. Because mm. there seems to be that when kids grow, there's a temptation to depart. And they may. But they, if you raise them in the word, they may have a ch better chance of coming back. Thoughts? Uh, Dear Bree says, sometimes the father, the father doesn't want to be in the picture. Not that someone wants to intentionally leave him out. Having both, uh, both examples is key. But however, that child can have a safe, reliable, positive foundation. I'm all for it. So I think the, the last one that she meant is, yeah, having both of them is key, but I would rather have my child be in a safe environment, reliable and positive environment than having both For parents sure. it's negative. It takes a woman to raise a baby to a boy, but it takes a man to raise a boy to, a man. to become a man. So I understand that, by the way, when I share this God's design, get what was going on in that time, war. Yeah. So men were getting killed because of war. So who stepped in? The grandfather or a father figure. So I totally get this whole single father. Same thing too as a single father. I, there's certain things I can't do for my son, my, my daughters, that only a mother can. And I understand that limitation. So it's not that far off to expect the same from the other party. Because I understand it as a dad. I don't, you know, I'm, not a, I'm not a mom. I'm not a woman. So that's something to consider in the ways that uh, we're raising our families for tomorrow. Because I tell you this, there's a big lack of male father leadership in America today, and it's showing in the communities, it's showing up in the school systems, it's showing up in sports, it's showing up in business, it's showing up in our finances, it's showing up in a church. A weak pulpit leads to a weak Christian community. Strong, uh, a, a weak father at the house leads to a weak community because now you have a, children, a, 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 a generation of children thinking that that's what is the value system that they need to be raised in. It's really both the ideal situation. And I know it's not ideal all the time, an ideal scenario for everybody to do that, but there has to be some form of father figure that steps in or a mother figure that steps in. It goes both ways. Mm -hmm. uh, let's wrap up with your, your last topic here of magnesium. What's, 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 uh, what's up with magnesium-rich foods? Well, let's pull this up. Let's see. Hey, hey Jordan, is there any way you can pull up the... Uh... Here, I'll, I'll do it from my end. Here you go. Let's see. So one of the things that uh, I, I push for amongst all my clients is eating magnesium-rich foods and consuming some form of magnesium supplement. Uh, this specific article does talk about you know, uh, magnesium-rich uh, magnesium foods slowing the brain aging, but it's not only just the brain aging itself, Matt. Um, and that's why, if, Jordan, if you can't pull up that specific thing, there you go. Oh, okay. There's multiple kinds of magnesium that exist out there. For all my clients watching and anyone who's watching this and is kind of curious on what magnesium is and how magnesium can actually assist you, Magnesium plays a massive role in your cognitive health. Magnesium plays a massive role in your sleep. Those are all different sleep. types of magnesium? And those are all different types of magnesium. Oh. The, the main ones that my clients are consuming are, oxide. is um, magnesium glycinate for mood and sleep. People consume that either in the morning, they consume that right before they go to bed along with some zinc, and the amount of sleep that they get, the, uh, the deep sleep that they get actually improves a lot more, so they can be a little bit more refreshed, they feel a little bit better. Um, there's magnesiums for, uh, 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 for, for sore muscles, there's magnesiums for uh, de detoxification, for digestion, there's magnesiums for your, just purely your cognitive. So one of the things that, that I've encountered with a lot of my clientele who happen to be business people, a lot of people have issues with anxiety. And one of the things that I that I've discovered not not discovered but one of the things that uh, that I've come across working with a lot of my psych, uh, psychologist friends is there's two kinds of uh, anxieties. 
There's physiological anxiety and there's psychological anxiety. The psychological anxiety involves more of mental health, being able to do mental health work for yourself and trying to figure out what the triggers are and walking, walking your way through that journey. But physiological anxiety comes from, and one of the main factors is magnesium itself. So if you're noticing that phys- physiologically you're, you're start, your, your muscles are cramping, you're feeling fatigued, you're feeling lethargic, your sleep isn't at the peak where it should be, and another thing, you're feeling restless, you get that, that, uh, that restless leg syndrome and you're consistently on edge and you're anxious consistently or even if you're, even if you're getting anxiety attacks, you might want to check your blood levels and see where you are with your magnesium levels. And I, 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 I would suggest, and this is based off of what a lot of my uh, specialist friends would speak on and a lot of the psychologists will speak on that I work with, um, that magnesium is a great supplement. And if you're not into supplementations, look into food, magnesium-rich foods that can actually help you. And the moment that you start consuming magnesium, you'll start seeing a major difference in the way your body feels. And if you do have some form of anxiety and it has to do with phys- uh, physiological anxiety, you'll see that magnesium can actually push you past that and you will start noticing a big, bit of a difference in the way you sleep, the way you think, the way you feel, and also the way you encounter these moments of uh, anxiety and anything else that you could potentially uh, obtain from lack of magnesium in your diet. Biggest so things, man. Does magnesium help you from uh, cramping? Cramping. Oh, uh, in recover- yeah. In recovery? Yeah. So again, so the, the, the top three for me, if you can pull that up actually, uh, uh, Jordan, the top three for me is magnesium glycinate which is for mood and sleep. It helps my clients get deeper sleep and it helps with their, with their mood. Um, uh, magnesium uh, theronate for, for people who have uh, brain fog and who need help processing. It's one of the best ones that you can consume for your, uh, just your brain health. And the one for, for, your muscles, for your muscles, it's going to be either magnesium chloride or magnesium malate. Those are the ones that people consume uh, so that way muscle cramping is reduced. But also one of the biggest things is hydration. So make sure you're hydrating well enough, but magnesium does also play a big role when it comes down to cramps of all kinds. What, sure. what's, what's some of the foods that we can eat that has high magnesium? Dark leafy greens, main one. Dark leafy greens, um, and for all my chocolate lovers out there, dark chocolate is definitely a good Come on, baby. I'm going to eat a lot of dark chocolate now. Uh, there, dark man. chocolate, baby. Definitely. Very, very good. Top two things. Very good. Well, man, listen, I, uh, a lot of stuff covering on this podcast. And so I uh, would love to know your thoughts. If you're watching this on a replay, let me know your thoughts, your questions, your feedback. You agree with us. You don't agree with us. Please put it in the comment section below. I really appreciate those in the live chat right now providing feedback to as well. Dear yeah. Bree, I appreciate you. Liddell Bugs, uh, Miriam Rivera, always there. That's T.T. Miriam. Since the beginning. Right. Uh, uh, Andra Grigia, uh, Gilbert Arango, appreciate you guys tuning in this live podcast. Next Wednesday will be episode 22. Every Wednesday here and uh, on our YouTube channel, Millionaire Goals Podcast. Also, make sure you all subscribe to our Seven Figure Squad YouTube channel too as well, which is the primary channel for the Millionaire Goals Podcast. With that being said, Milton, I appreciate you, man, for another episode here. Uh, let's continue rocking. Let's continue to make a difference out there. Um, next Next Wednesday will be the last podcast for May as we march off into June. So wow. we're very excited about our annual convention. We just announced it last week. We're excited about our annual convention in Las Vegas. We rented out the entire MGM Grand, and we're going to have a Charlie Kirk out there. We're gonna have um, we're gonna have a, a guy that wrote the book Unreasonable Hospitality. Runs the number one uh, restaurant in New York. Great book. Uh, uh, My boy his name, Khabib. His name escapes me. And of course, Khabib, UFC goat, wrestling with bears. He's gonna be our guest speaker there too as well. So, for those of you part of the PHB Agency family, it's a private event for us, and I'm excited to be there with you, August 9th through the 11th in Las Vegas. And for some of you looking to make more money, make more cash, send me a DM. We can refer you either here locally to our local office or somewhere across the country where we can have somebody help you connect these dots to help you think like a millionaire, 
strategize like a millionaire, so therefore you can become a first-generation cash flow millionaire. That being said, on behalf of Milton Alvarez, appreciate you guys for tuning in. We'll see you next Wednesday. Until we meet again, continue to live smart, continue to love smart, and be mighty smart today. Have a great week. Bye-bye.